Welcome back to School of Science Radio. I'm Gino Ganello, joined, uh, as always, by Matthew Chandler. Uh, this week, we get Ian Decker back on the podcast. Um, obviously, he is our kind of, I guess you could call him the women's team correspondent. So uh, the guy who's following the women's team for us. Um, Ian, how are you doing today? Yeah, yeah, doing really well. Um, happy to be back on. It's been, it's been a while. Um, happy to talk some Everton. And uh, good to be with you guys. Absolutely. And we do have to give a shout out to Ian. He did just get accepted to a master's program over here in the, in the States. So congratulations, Ian. That's awesome. And, and it's only going to make, you know, what he does even better because he, he does a fantastic job with the women's team. Um, we got a lot to talk about today, though. Um, unfortunately, no Villa game, which we'll get to in a little bit. But we did play Wolves on, um, what was that, Tuesday? I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, and we won 2-1 despite a lot of changes. Uh, Pickford in for Olsen, Mina for Tosun, Holgate for Coleman, Ducore for Gomez, um, Sigurdsson for Gordon. Obviously, we had, there was no Richarlison, no Calvert-Lewin. So not a, great, um, not a great look going in. But, Ian, we'll start with you. Another battling win coming out and, uh, you know, surprise I guess a little bit after that 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 opening uh starting lineup yeah definitely you know you you see DCLs out before the game and you worry and you kind of think okay where are the goals going to be coming from uh Tosin had a good goal in the the prior match but you know it's that was his first goal in what 432 games it had been a while for him and so you look at the team sheet and you think okay you know another another uh lineup of four center backs and you know uh, Dean gets pushed up the wing and you know what I for me I wrote about this in the three thoughts it, it just shows kind of Ancelotti's at least against um, you know in this past game his ability to mix and match the the rosters and the the starting 11s Dean I thought looked really good up there and you know and I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of Tom Davis starting of course but he he kind of did enough and then when Gomez came on his you know he he had the assist to Keen on that one so Initial worries about the team sheet against a struggling te- a Wolves team, but, you know, nonetheless a talented one. And, and I, I thought the result was great. It's a fun game to watch, really entertaining, back and forth, and uh, two, two really great managers going at it. Yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely, um, you know, not one for the faint of heart because it was a close one, a lot of chances for both sides. Um, Matthew, what did you think of this one? Yeah, I mean, I thought um... – Obviously, when the team came out, there was a lot of um, maybe confusion online, on social media. People saying maybe it looked like Antolotti was being too sort of overthinking it, being too experimental, maybe trying to be too clever about it. But um, it always looked maybe I, I wasn't so worried about it just because it looked like we would play with the same back four that had served as well in December, and we did. And, and then you know we still had to call Ray on the pitch. We had Luca Dean left wing, which is not his you know, his his natural position, but he can still do his damage there as he did with his with his cross, especially in the first half when I thought his delivery was consistently fantastic. Um and again I just I thought like Ian said it was just a very um hard fought win. And I, I I also think it it shows you we recorded this on Saturday when Wolves have just been beaten again by Sam Allardyce's West West Brom. Um and I think you can see how Wolves are maybe struggling without without their um, 
for their best players like him and has been the obvious one at the moment. Um, Everton, Willie Bolly as well. Everton don't really, Everton haven't really had those same issues, even though they've been without some of their best players. You think like the Sheffield United win, we won without um, Alan, Dean, Rodriguez, Richarlison. We won this one without without Richarlison for most of the game, without Calvert Lewin, without Alan again. So again, I think it's just it's really encouraging, and we're, we're finding more ways to win because I think we we often in, in recent years bemoaned the fact that Everton were quite one-dimensional, had no plan B, and, and only had one way of winning a football match, which was basically give it to the their most outstanding player and hope hope he can conjure up something. Feels more controlled now. It feels more mature, um, and it feels like we, we've got more of a team building I guess maybe not in terms of the, the quality of the squad but in terms of like the spirit and the sort of togetherness it feels like um, we're certainly pulling in the right direction and I think when you compare this performance and the results to the one at Wolves six months ago when we got outplayed and were pretty pretty feeble and pathetic in, in losing that day it's you know it's night and day isn't it compared with, with you know a lot of the same players as well um, I think that just shows you as well just how well well coached they've been by Ancelotti in that time as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I, I think when this, the lineup came out, I think there was a little bit of that that wool. Um, excuse me, New, Newcastle type of feel with uh, oh man, here we go again with the you know five central midfielders or the you know whatever you know obviously wasn't five central mid- midfielders this time, but that type of kind of no striker weird type of formation. Um, but it, you're right. I think it's just like this team, it, it, they just seem to, you know, be facing adversity well and, and overcoming these problems that they're having dealing with injuries and whatnot. And um, I, I just think that um, they've just been really resilient, uh, which is, I, I guess that's probably the best quality you can have this year, especially with COVID cancellations, everything like that. They've kind of just taken it all in, in stride and and kept um, moving forward and of course wolves you know not even just from this year from last year they lose Diogo Yota to to Liverpool as well um, so that's obviously a big player that they don't have in the, in this side and um, you know they've been shaky I think all year um, but still to put out a side that doesn't have a striker doesn't have a Charleston who um, is typically um, a very important piece. Um, you know, we love Tom Davies, but you know, Alan, we will admit is, is, is the, the number one starter. And that's not, um, I don't think that's up for debate too much. Um, but to do that and put these guys out there and I mean, Ben Godfrey has been fantastic, um, across this kind of playing literally across the back line. It's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch and something that, you know, is, is a nice sight after, you know, so many years of Everton kind of being the opposite, unable to gel, unable to do things once one player goes down. So um, really, really good for them. Um, what? Let's start, you know, you mentioned, I believe, uh, Matthew, or maybe it was Ian that mentioned Awobi, um, the, the goal um, cross from Dean. Uh, he continues to improve, continues to get better. What have you guys thought about his improvements and how he's kind of grown into the player that he is right now this season? I think he's more more composed. I think I think last year everything seemed quite sort of haphazard with Iwobi and maybe a bit rushed. 
he he looks like someone who's obviously benefited more than most from like a real vote of vote of confidence from Ancelotti, um, and also just good coaching. Like I mean, doesn't score bundle, bundles of goals or anything like that, but his finish against Wolves was really really composed. Um, I mean, it's, it's not. I mean, it's a, it's a lovely goal. It's a lovely ball from Rodriguez and fantastic cross from Dean, but it's not an easy finish at all. And, and um, still, you know, just just because he's, he's had it served to him on a plate doesn't doesn't mean it's a tap in. It's, it was it was far from that. And um, I think he adds maybe a bit more physicality as well. I think certainly compared to like people like Bernard or Anthony Gordon, who probably play instead. Moby seems to be a bit tougher in that regard. Um, and, you know, he's, that, he's sort of carved out his own kind of place in the team now in a, in a, in a position where I think a lot of people thought he, he couldn't play because he'd been so ineffective on the wing for so long, including earlier parts of the season. Um, but, you know, he's not, he's, he's still got a long way to go. I think his development is still quite young. What is he, 24, I think, it will be. So I think he will get better still, but it's, I think it's again. It's just another like it's another testament to good coaching and good management from Ancelotti. How much, not just the Wobies improved, but people like Michael Keane have improved, Luca Dean's improved, Dominic Calvert Lewin as well. So, um, I think if anything, it just it's it's another vindication of appointing Ancelotti really as well. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And 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 I think a big thing too, you know, earlier in the season when when Everton had that stretch where they just were dropping games. They didn't look good going forward. Iwobi was asked to do a lot defensively, and and he was kind of running up and down the wing. And what going forward, he looked okay. And then when he had to drop back and defend, he looked lost. Uh, he didn't know his his placements. He didn't know how to cover. Um, and and I think Ancelotti just seeing that, you know, he needed a couple games to see that, and just moved him up into a different, you know, a much more attacking position, which has maximized Wobi's strengths going forward, taking dribblers on. And when the team sheet came out, you know, you look at it, no DCL, you think, okay, where's the offense going to come from? Where, you know, how are we going to push it in the final third? And Wobi and, and Hamas linked up really well on that right wing. And kind of, of course, having a player like Hamas definitely helps for to have with the young player. But Wobi's done a lot of it too. And on the goal, you know, he he's, Dean kind of, you know, he, he scuffs it, cross it, crosses it back in, and Wobi has to open up hit a pass, you know, Cody, who's right in front and a diving Patricio. It's a, it's a great shot. And, and I think that, you know, as, as he gets more time in the team, the game, the game slows down for him. He gets more accustomed to the physicality of the league and kind of now that he's showing what he can do, you know, he was brought in, you know, for 30 million and the, the hype was, was unreal. And kind of with Ancelotti, I feel like a little bit tempering those expectations and giving him a chance, a good run in the side to play and improve. and say, you know what, you're not going to be asked to do much defensively. Your role is to be going forward. I think that's really helped his game, and, and we saw that against Wolves. Yeah, and, and I just checked, Matthew. He is 24, which is kind of crazy. It feels like he's been around for forever. It feels like he should be older than that. Um, but definitely, I mean, he's just been, you know, confidence is, is the big thing. You know, it's he just looks out there. He's going at defenders, like you guys have mentioned, like with confidence. He looks like he has a purpose as opposed to kind of like looking lost out there. And I think that's a big thing. And obviously that comes with playing time and 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 confidence from the manager to, to put his trust in, in him. Um, and of course, I mean, Carlo Ancelotti has, has shown his improvements across Everton's squad time in and time out, you know, with Dominic Calvert-Lewin, now with Iwobi. Um, 
you know, Godfrey obviously has stepped in and, and done really, really well. Uh, the Keen has played really, really well. Um, you know, so Ancelotti has been a big part of that, but Iwobi has really taken his opportunities and taken advantage of them. Um, and, and really as, as, you know, kind of, I know at the beginning of the season, we looked at Hamas and when Hamas wasn't playing, we were like, who's going to fill that right side or, or, or if we bring Hamas inside, who's going to fill that right side. And, you know, maybe Awobi's answering that question a little bit now where it's like, Oh, maybe we don't need to bring somebody in. Maybe we have Awobi here who can, you know, kind of fill that role. Um, and we'll see how he improves, um, as the season continues. Um, obviously, Gomesh getting the assist on the other goal, the Keen goal, which was just a, a you know, you, you see the picture. He he knew it was going in before it even hit the back of the net. Um, it, you know, was this an improvement from Gomez? Did we see, you know, some things other than the cross that we liked from him? Ian, what what was your thought on his performance in this one? Yeah, you know, I think as as a player, you know, he comes over from Barcelona. There's an incredible amount of excitement about him coming over and what he can do for the team. And to start the season, having him in that midfield, he looked really good, battled injury, came back, didn't look as good as he had to start the season. But I I think just having him to be able to come off the bench, that cross, him going forward, for me, he knows how to to play a game in terms of, you know, if if they're up, can he maintain possession? Can he kind of feel the pressure and and draw, you know, a cheap foul? Can, Can he get the team possession? Or if, if it's tied or if they're down, can he push forward? You know, can he, can he look to make that big switch? Because a lot of times they get stuck on one side. And, of course, against Wolves, you know, he, he feels the pressure. He turns away, gets the ball, and sends a cross to, to Keane, who, who blasts it in, you know, with, with the Michael Head classic key, um, header. And so, for me, I, I just think his professionalism, his experience, Gomes going forward, he knows how to dictate the game and kind of – how how to help the team going forward defensively or just maintain possession. So for me, for me, I, I really like Andre Gomez and, and I thought he did a great job against Wolves. Matthew, how I think about he, you? He, he, um, he did well, didn't he? But I, I think, I mean, the cross for Keane's, Keane's header was, was beautiful and, and, you know, right where, right on Keane's head, wasn't it? Perfectly, um, perfectly executed. It wasn't easy as well because it's quite a tight angle, wasn't it? Um, I would say the last two good games or good performances Gomez has had for us, both being as substitute appearances though. I think here obviously he came off the bench and was good. More more front foot, more forward thinking, I think, than just going sideways or backwards. Um and against Sheffield United when he came off the bench as well and was, was brighter and had more of an impact. The last few games he started, I don't think he's been anywhere near as, as up for it. Maybe West Ham as well, I think when he came off the bench he was maybe a bit more I know he's still lost, but maybe a bit more um, impressive than our other midfielders against them. Uh, you know, but you think of like the Man United game and the Rotherham game, particularly where he started, and he just looked swamped and leggy and totally ineffective. I think that's the next stage now for Gomez is to find that consistency over 90-minute spells or at least you know starting games. Um, because I think I don't want to sound too negative, but I think even though. He, Played well here, here. Has he done enough maybe to dislodge Tom Davies or um, you know dislodge Allen when he's back? No, probably probably not yet. But um, certainly seen him have a lot worse games than he had on Tuesday. I thought he made a positive impact when he came on. Um, can't really ask much more than that. He just needs to do it more consistently and over longer 
stretches in, in games now. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk about confidence with Obi and playing time and, and, you know, hopefully that this cross and this, this performance uh, substitute performance kind of gives him that confidence. Cause it does feel at times where he is, um, you know, often when passing or trying to go forward, he, he is uncertain and, and is unconfident in his abilities. Sometimes, you know, I, I think of the, the play, um, not against wolves. It was, uh, whoever the game was before that, who I can't remember. Um, but he, he kind of, you know, he, he got the ball in space and instead of looking forward, he turned away from it and, and turned his back to basically everybody. And, um, you know, two defenders came on him and, and, you know, dispossessed him. He, you know, he, he just needs that confidence to push forward and, and carry that ball forward and, and make the passes. And, you know, he's had a rough go of things. I mean, he, his passing has been, you know, not great. Yes. His, his, his compose, you know, the thing that we praised him for in those first few games um, that he was in an Everton shirt, he's kind of lost that a little bit, but, you know, hopefully with some confidence that can bring that back. And hopefully with an assist now that starts to make a difference. But um, like you said, he's not, you know, dis, you know, he's not overtaking Allen. I'm not sure if he, you know, Tom Davies and him probably have a, a, a battle going there in terms of, um, you know, the thing with Tom Davies is just that he offers the energy, I guess, more so than, than Gomez would the, the urgency in some senses. Um, because Gomez does feel very nonchalant and, and kind of like laid back in some senses. Um, but you know, hopefully this does bring confidence to him and, and they can continue to, uh, you know, improve him because they can get him. That would be a huge step in the right direction and, and, and a really good thing to have, even if he's just coming off the bench. Um, not much else from this game. One thing to note, uh, six wins now from nine away games, um, which is huge. Uh, you know, I feel like often, no matter who we were playing, whether it was the top six, um, you know, lower level clubs, we would go places and it would be, we'd have a difficult time on the road. Uh, so that's a big thing for them. Most headed, um, and this is all, of course, from from Pete's telling stats. Everton have the most headed goals in the league. Um, you know, so a lot of a lot of really good signs from this game, and and kind of like a makeshift formation. Um, anything you, else you guys want to mention before we uh, take a break? Take a quick break. He's got the uh, he's got the same amount of away wins as uh, Marco Silva and Ronald Koeman combined. I think. Which, That's which always like, great. I mean, that was that was in that was in something like fifty games, and he's done it in nineteen in Ancelotti. Yeah, I mean his um, his away record is is like you know uh, fifty eight or some sixty percent or something like that. And yeah, every other manager you you mentioned this Matthew on Twitter. Every other manager is like thirty percent or below in away wins. And, yeah, you know, and I think you can maybe say that part of it um, is in is in the away team's favour because of the empty crowds, but you know, you've still got you've still got to win those games, you know. Tottenham Yeah. Tottenham didn't lose another game for about three months after they lost to us, you know. Mm-hmm. Wolves Wolves battered us out there at Mol- Molyneux six months earlier than uh than on Tuesday night. So these are they're not they're not they might perhaps be, you know, more comfortable to play in, but they're not necessarily they're not easy fixtures, are they? Still gotta win them. And no, and, work really and, games. and if I recall, we did play Tottenham away after we that. We played Tottenham in lockdown as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, in lockdown, yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, one. listen, you can only you can only do what with you can only do what um, you know what is put in front of you. You can only 
um, you know, accomplish what's put in front of you. You can't, you know, yeah, yeah. whether it's no fans, full stadium, whatever, still got to win the game, still got to go out there. And I'm not sure um, with the absences that this team had, I'm not sure that any of the previous managers in recent memory could have, no. could have done, could have gotten a win at the mall now. So mm-hmm. I think, I think that that speaks volumes about Ancelotti. Um, let's take a quick break here. Um, after we come uh, back from the break, we'll talk a little bit um, Everton news. All right, we're back with some Everton news, kind of breaking up uh, before we get into that preview of the next FA Cup match. Um, the Villa game was postponed, of course, um, as you guys know by now. Um, we were supposed to play them. We're recording on Saturday, uh, January 16th. So we were supposed to take them on, uh, tomorrow. Um, well, originally today, then it got pushed back to tomorrow, um, and then got canceled. So no Villa game. We're still awaiting a, a date for that. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, what does this, this postponement kind of mean for, for Everton? Is this a good postponement, a bad postponement? Ian, we'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, obviously you would, you would have liked to have seen them play, uh, continue the run of strong games against a, a Villa team who looked pretty good this year. Dean Smith has them has them trending in the right direction. Um, and, But, you know, with, with, with a break, maybe they can get a little bit healthy. You look at players, get a couple off days, recover. You know, we've mentioned a lot. Ancelotti has had to do a lot of mixing and matching with his starting 11s, mainly due to injuries. Um, you know, I look at it as... It would have been nice for them to have played, continue their run of strong games, but can we take this time to kind of get some get some players healthy, get them back in the squad, and look to the to the future games? Matthew, I, I think I I I think we probably would have won had we played this weekend because I think um, it would be very hard for Aston Villa to get up to speed having not trained all week, having been in isolation all week or for ten days, or whatever. Um, you know they might might say they'd be fresher than us because they haven't had a game and we've had two games since since then since they've been in isolation. But you know equally, you know even if you don't do any running for you know a week ten days, I think you won't you probably won't feel as fresh as if you've been training and, and whatever. So I th- I think Everton would have probably they would have at least been favourites. I think against Aston Villa had this game gone ahead. But I think you've got to say maybe that is a pretty unfair advantage to give us to give Everton over Aston Villa under the circumstances. Um, it's not ideal just just because of the, the congestion that we're looking at. I mean, we're already looking at something like five games in the next two weeks, um, starting with the FA Cup game next week. So there is obviously, you know, three more months of the season left after that, after that but um, it's, it's going to be hard, obviously, when Everton get to like the crunch of the season when, you know, every point becomes that little bit more vital and they might have a game or two extra to play than the teams around them because, of course, they've still got the Man City games to play as well. Um, but I think it's a right, I think it's the right decision, not just because of the of the unfair advantage probably gave Everton, but also just, just uh, you know, out of, out of decency to Aston Villa, who've had no, no real preparation time for this, no proper prep time anyway. Um so I don't have any problems with, with the game getting postponed, really. I, I, I expected it to happen and wasn't surprised at all when it was announced. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the most important thing is the fact that, you know, 
listen, uh, uh, Villa has COVID running throughout their, their camp over there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, obviously you want them to get better and, 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 you know, the most important thing is protecting all the players in the league. But, you know, from a, you know, a selfish Everton perspective, obviously, I think you're right. I think playing them this week after not training for a couple weeks um, or at least a week would, would have been probably um, beneficial to Everton. But again, a, an unfair advantage as well. And, and the good thing is we don't, uh, whereas a Man City or a, a Tottenham or an Arsenal or, or one of those teams who's in Europe it would be affected more by, by this situation and, and will be affected more by cancellations and postponements and whatnot. Um, we don't have any European games. The <laughs> FA Cup is really the only competition we're left in, so we'll have um, you know that to play for. But other than that, it's you know we won't have any of those midweek games. Um, whereas other teams may have, have a congested schedule, a more congested schedule going in, in um, or when these games get rescheduled. So we'll see how that goes, but um, still a good running game for Everton, and, and um, they'll yeah. play again next week, which we'll talk about. Um, it's nice, though, how many people said they were looking forward to seeing Everton play instead of just like celebrating the fact they had a weekend off from Everton. See, people seem to be quite disappointed they didn't get the chance to watch Everton, which was... <laughs> Which was uh, quite a novel idea. Which typically means we're in for like a four-game losing streak, so that we can get back to well, back to reality. That happened here. last time. Didn't yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. But um, uh, next bit of news we probably should go over. Jared Branthwaite. Haven't heard too much from him this year, um, but that's probably and that's like a, a very okay thing I think in all of our minds. He was alone to Blackburn, yeah. um, who's in the middle of a championship playoff race if i'm not mistaken right matthew they're on the outskirts yeah, yeah. about 10th or 11th um, yeah so um played today. yeah so right in the middle of things um good move for for branthwaite and and the club i think so yeah because i think um i i personally think branthwaite is probably already too good for the championship i, th- I thought he looked so comfortable and and admittedly in in pretty meaningless Premier League games at the end of last season, but he, he looked, um, I saw enough of him to suggest that he could already cut it, you know, the, the Premier, in the Premier League. Um, but having said that, it's undoubtedly better for his development if he's in a, a sort of a, an unforgiving league, like the Championship, playing regularly every week than just sitting on Everton's bench watching four centre-backs play, play well in front of him. You know, um, I, th- I think also I would say Everton have had quite mixed success with uh, loaning their young players to championship clubs before. Um, but I think Blackburn is probably a good club for him. It looks like he'll, I mean, they certainly wanted him really badly because I, I saw their manager, Tony Mowbray, saying how keen he, he was to get the deal done so that he was uh, eligible to play for them today. And he started and I saw their Twitter account put out a, a, a tweet saying how you know it made a, it made a good impression on their debut they drew 1-1 with, with Stoke so no clean sheet but um, decent result for them and uh, yeah Blackburn seems like a good club for it to go to they, they also had um, for you know just a, as a point of comparison they had um, last season they had uh, Tosin Adarabirio on loan from, from Manchester City who's also obviously centre-back um, he got rave reviews there. I think he played like 35 games of Blackburn in the Championship. 
Um, he obviously has gone to Fulham this summer and the difference in Fulham's defence, which was like un- unbelievable, unbelievably um, you know, porous at the start and they look they look really solid now. And I think Andara Bioyo is a big part of that. I'm sure that the development got at Blackburn is, is part partly why. So hopefully um, hopefully Branthwaite will you know reap the same benefits from being at being at Blackburn. Um, the, only thing I, the only thing I would say is whether what does it do for you know if it'll be interesting to see if Ancelotti sticks with this back four of four defenders now that now that um, now that Branthwaite's gone and also Dean is back from injury because you know you want to you want to play with your best players in the best positions but also you maybe don't want to fix you don't want to, you don't want to potentially break what isn't what isn't sorry you, you don't need to fix what isn't broken um, so. We've obviously got no other centre backs left. Um, if you know Branthwaite drops out, although I guess you could shuffle Godfrey Holgate in centre back and then play a more natural fullback in that case. But um, I, th- I think overall, though, best move for Branthwaite and uh, and Everton. Ian, yeah, yeah, I completely agree. You know, Branthwaite's eighteen. Realistically, he's not getting in the in the side. I mean, even as it is right now, four, four center backs in the back four, you think if, if Dean slots into that left back spot, Coleman comes back at right back, then you have two of those center backs. You have Holgate and Godfrey dropping down to the bench. That would push Branthwaite to the third spot on the bench. Even if all four center backs are starting, it's, you know, you still have Coleman and Dean maybe. For me, it just, there was no way he was getting into the, into the side. And so you, you go to a team where he slots in immediately. Like Matthew said, he gets great experience playing in the championship, very physical league, and, and they're going to play. He's, he's going to be asked to play a ton of minutes, a ton of games. And I think for both clubs, it, it, it works out. You know, Blackburn gets a player who's immediately going to help shore up their defense, and Everton gets, um, you know, several months' worth of experience for, for Brantley. And also, it's, it's much better for him being in the championship than it is being in the under-23s. Because I, I watched I watched some games where he played in the under twenty threes and again he, he looked way too way too good for that level. And if you're playing at a level that you're that you're way too good at, you're probably not going to improve, are you? Because you you know, you're not you're not having to learn anything, you're not having to develop anything. Yeah. You're already there. No so challenge. playing at a level playing at a level that will be more challenge more of a challenge, more of a test and more of a battle. Um, I think will stand Brown in good stuff. He looks like a really good prospect doesn't he so we don't you, you don't want you have to be you feel like you have to take extra care with him because of how promising he's looked um and hopefully Evan have got this one right and I think it looks good for him anyway yeah yeah, yeah it's um you gotta you gotta manage him the right way and and make sure that you're doing the best for his development and I think this is a really good move for his development uh going forward so um you know I think a really good move for for both sides there I think both sides benefit well, all three sides really benefit from from this one. Uh, let's just hit one quick transfer rumor before we get to the women's in. Um, Joshua Xerxes, he's currently, I think, backup striker for Bayern Munich. Um, he's a 19-year-old, six foot three striker, uh, big boy over there. He is uh, he actually had a trial with Everton back a couple years ago, but uh, decided to go with Bayern Munich. But there are talks now that he could be coming back to play in a blue shirt. Um, possibly on a loan with a, you know, could, something that could become permanent. Um, I mean, obviously, I don't know if any of us know too much about this, uh, about this guy, but 
still probably that he's a striker, a young striker, someone who's looking to improve and, and can back up Dominic Calvert-Lewin is probably a good thing for us, especially um, with Keen, you know, if things continue to move in the right direction, probably end up getting sold by the end of this year. Uh, Ian, what do you, I mean, I, I don't know if you know anything about Xerxes, but what do you think about something like this? Yeah, I mean, that was, you, you kind of mentioned it there with, with Moise Keen. You know, they had a backup striker to DCL to bring him in, a young player who didn't get, you know, probably as many opportunities as, as he should have, and then they loaned him out. So for me, it's kind of curious to see Keen going out on loan, maybe bringing in Xerxes. I mean, look, he plays, he plays with Byron. He trains with some of the best players in the world. I'm all for getting depth behind Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Um, Tosin is, you know, I, I don't think he really pushes the envelope that much. Um, you know, for me, I think it'd be a good move for him um, and for the club. But again, it's just kind of curious that they let Keane go on loan and then they bring another striker, another young striker in on loan. Um, but I, I think it'd be a good move. Matthew? Um, it's, a, it's a bit of a weird one because it does feel very... Moise Keane-esque, doesn't it? Certainly in terms of age and, and profile. Um, you know, played a similar amount of games for Bayern as Keane had for Juventus and for, um, is it Verona he was on loan at? I think Keane. Um, but, you know, Xerxes scored a few goals for Bayern last season, only played five games this season. Um, it's, it's a bit strange timing. Well, I mean, Marcel Brand said at the AGM this week that um, Everton were looking more about getting getting rid of players this window, which makes sense in a way. But I do think maybe there's an opportunity here that they can't miss this season. Now, whether he, now whether he said he said they probably wouldn't sign anyone or they wouldn't be signing anyone, but whether that means permanently or on loan, don't know. We don't normally do business with brands in January, do we? Um, I think we need reinforcements up front. This one is it's kind of come out of the blue, um, but I think. It certainly strengthens a hand. I just, I don't, it's, it feels a bit of a weird saying. I don't know whether someone maybe more proven would be a better back, a better choice, just, just even on loan, just for the end of the season. Um, having said that, I haven't, I've never watched Xerxes play, so I can't judge him on his footballing ability. Yeah. You know, he might, he might come over and be absolutely prolific. I'm not, it's not a slight on him. I just wonder whether he's the right sort of profile that we need. Um, but hey, I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to be happy to be proved wrong on that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know uh, too much about him either. Um, obviously it does bring a little bit more promise into the side as opposed to watching Tosun trot out there. If um, we need a you know goal or something like that, or, or if we need somebody to fill in for Dominic Calvert-Lewin for a game. Um, but yeah, it, it, you're right. It does feel a little bit like that, that Moise Keane type signing. Um but I, I guess we'll see. The you know t- word is that talks are ongoing and and possibly close, but you never know because um, <laughs> they say that all the time and things never transpire sometimes. But um, on the Marcel Brands thing, I, th- I think you know obviously you know in a public event like that, I'm not sure he can come out and say he's going to sign players this window because yeah, yeah. It doesn't really give him much leverage then, uh, especially in a window <laughs> that you know we know he typically typically does not like to operate in because of the hike in price but um yeah it'll be interesting to see you know if he comes in and does a great job that would be uh 
Fantastic. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. But we do have to get to the women's team because we haven't talked about them in a really long time. And we do need to update our, you know, listeners on them because they are, you know, obviously, you know, just as important as the men's team. So, Ian, why don't you give us a little bit of a kind of breakdown of what's been going on with the women's team since the last time you you were on here? Sure. So a big thing is they haven't played in, in an entire month. They haven't played since the 20th of December, uh, a game they looked they looked uh, quite unconvincing. It was a 4-0 loss to Arsenal, who, granted, have a wonderful team, but they haven't played in a month. They had a game on the 23rd of December that was postponed. They were supposed to play Birmingham City. It was postponed due to inclement weather. And then, of course, last weekend, um, they, had, they were scheduled to play Manchester United uh, due to a COVID outbreak and extended injuries within the Everton team. Um, that game had to be postponed, too. So they've had quite an extended layoff, and they've been suffering from some injuries. Um, Valerie Govem, who is a big striker that they signed this summer uh, from France, she hurt um, a ligament in her, in her knee at, during the FA Cup final, and she's missed a lot of time. She's expected to be out for several months. And then Rika Savik, who was also a summer signing, uh, she came in, and while she was playing at the European qualifiers with um, Denmark, in December, early December, she also hurt her knee. And so she was the team's starting center back. And she is a big loss because with her out, Damaris Egarola, who usually plays central defensive midfield, had to slot into that uh, center back position along with Megan Finnegan. And so the, the injuries have been really tough for the team. Um, and, and they've had some really hard games. They had Arsenal in the league. They had Man City in the league. They had Reading a good team in the league. And then they had Chelsea in the league. So against the big clubs, you know, there was a lot of excitement at the beginning of the season with the success that Everton had, that maybe this team could push for a top three. I was certainly optimistic, um, but, you know, losses to Chelsea 4-0 in the league, Man City 3-0 and Arsenal 4-0 kind of reveal that Everton are a little bit further than I think previously thought. So it's been, it's been a tough stretch of games Thankfully, tomorrow they play Bristol City, who are winless through 10 games in the league and <laughs> concede about four, ga- four goals a game. They've let up 39 times in, in 10 games. So, and Everton are to beat them 4-0 to start the season. So hopefully that'll be a game to get them back on track. And, and yeah, it's, I mean, it's, been, it's, been, it's definitely been tough. I will say the one consolation has been in the, in the Continental Cup. They beat Manchester United 1-0, and then they beat Liverpool 1-0. So they finished second in a really tight group with, with the two Manchester clubs and, and, of course, the Merseyside rivals. So can they build on those? Definitely looking at the Bristol City game tomorrow was a springboard. They get Bristol, Tottenham, um, Birmingham in – twice. So it, it should be – what's that? So they've got Birmingham home and away in, in the next few weeks. Yep. Yeah. So there are definitely games to build on. Um, they had a really tough stretch. So I'm, I'm just looking to tomorrow. Hopefully they can get five, six goals and, and really take off from there. Do, do you think that um, the start of the season was not maybe not a false dawn, but um, maybe like a, an unfair impression of where, of where the women's team should be? Do you think they're fifth now? Do you think that's a, more, that's a, more, a better indication of where they should be? I think so. Um, look, I think they can certainly be competitive with the top four teams. Um, you know, you look at beating Chelsea in the FA Cup in a, in a really great 2-1 win. Um, they, they have 
They've played City three times this year, and despite several 3-1 losses, you know, in the FA Cup final, two of, the, two of those goals came in extra time, in the second half of extra time. And so I think that they're close, absolutely. When they're on, they can, they can be competitive with the top four clubs. But I think really where, where Everton lack are, is, the, is in depth. You know, with Govan out, with Savik hurt, the bigger clubs, they just have more depth. They can bring more players on. And Everton have kind of had to, I mean, talk about mixing and matching lineups. The players coming on, they're definitely a drop-off in quality. They're still, I mean, they are easily in the top half of the, of the table. Fifth, I think, is very fair for them. Um, but right now, it's, I think they're just a step below the top four. Yeah, I, um, I, I will admit that I, I think the the first game, yeah, the mm-hmm, the first game that I watched was um, like in pretty intense detail was the four nothing loss to Chelsea, so I will take full uh, blame for the inabilities of the women's team to get many points over the past uh, few games. Um, no, but uh, but yeah, it's I I think that it's still a good position for the women's team to be in that fifth spot I just do they now do they get four Champions League spots is it similar to to or or how they do that in um in the men's or is it you know the top two or top three or something like that it's the top three they just expanded the field this season um last year was the top two so Chelsea and City are competing in the competition this year Mm. and then for this season they expanded the field to three teams for the Champions League Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously the injuries injuries seem to be hurting them the most um, because I did remember when I was watching that Chelsea match, um, I do do remember, you know, the injury to Govan was, I I was, you know, looking for her on the pitch and I'm like, where, where is she? And and obviously they they mentioned that, that she had an injury. Um, But obviously those are are obviously, they bear a lot of weight in these situations and hopefully they can get healthy and start to make a little bit of a run here and, you know, I think if they even come in fourth or fifth, I think that's probably still an improvement and still a good, you know, step in the right direction for them, no? Absolutely. And and the thing is, the team has a lot of quality. Sandy McIver is, she's she's challenging for the top goalie spot for the English national team. Mm-hmm. You have several players who are on very quality national teams, Sorensen and Savik with Denmark. You have Lucy Graham, who's the captain of Everton, um, you know, is is in the midfield for Scotland. Ingrid Mo Wold is starting right back for Norway. Uh, Haley Resso is an excellent player from Australia. And then, of course, Valerie Govan up top um, is, a, is a starting nine for the French national team, ranked third in the world. So the talent is there. Injuries have definitely been unlucky. Um, but they're, I mean, they, they have a very strong team. That's awesome. Um, you know, great to hear. And hopefully, you know, their next match is Bristol City tomorrow, 8 a.m. Um, so hopefully, have you been, and, and I asked this, I guess, for our American listeners as well who want to watch the women's team, um, does, does NBC show, I know that they've been showing some of the, the women's Super League games, but do they show all of them? Is that how, how um, you can watch here in America or, um, or is it different? Yeah, so so NBC has purchased the rights to a select amount of games, mm-hmm. um, and, and those are the, the broadcast games are, you know, the, the Manchester Derby or Chelsea Arsenal or, you know, any combination of those top four clubs. Yeah. Everton have had several games televised when they've played, you know, Man City Chelsea, or Chelsea. Yeah. For yep. 
other than that, uh, people can find uh, pretty reliable streams on the FA Player, which is the Football Association's specific streaming site for the women's game. They have Continental Cup games, they have FA Cup games, and league matches. Uh, awesome. And so those are the two. And then each team, you know, will will sometimes have their own individual streaming platform. Cool, cool. Well, there you guys have it. Uh, that's a little bit of the women's team. Like Ian said, if you want to catch them, uh, you can go on faplayer.com tomorrow to see them play uh, play Bristol City. Um, excuse me, cheering for a win there and, and hoping the women's team can get back on track. We're going to take a quick another quick break, and then we're going to talk about uh, Everton's next match which is next Sunday, the 24th, against Sheffield Wednesday. All right. Like I mentioned, uh, we're back with the Everton-Sheffield Wednesday preview. Um, again, Sunday, January 24th is when this game will take place. It'll be 8 p.m. on Sunday in England, 3 p.m. over here on the East Coast of America. Um, it's the FA Cup fourth round. Uh, the winner would um, go on to play the winner of Tottenham versus Wycombe. I believe it's pronounced. I may be wrong. Wickham. 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 There you go. Yep. Um, So uh, that's obviously something to look out for if Everton were to win this match. Um, It's worth bearing in mind um, that the game may not go ahead um, because of a COVID outbreak. The next two championship games for Sheffield Wednesday have been suspended um, because of COVID outbreak in their um, in their camp, uh, kind of a similar situation to Rotherham where Sheffield Wednesday is 21st in the championship, one place above the relegation zone zone. Um, they did, st- they did start the, the, uh, the season with a 12 point deduction later. Uh, it was half to just a six point deduction, but still started the, the season in the hole. Um, they, uh, the, like I mentioned, the winner of this, um, tie will, will take on Tottenham or Wycombe. Did I say it right that time? Wickham. 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 Um, in the fifth round during... Uh, I mean, we've never, we've never played Wickham before, so it's, I don't blame you for not... You yeah, yeah. It would just, there's just no way I was going to know that. <laughs> um, no, but in the fifth round, we would play them in the week uh, commencing uh, February 8th, so um, a couple weeks after this match. Um, how strong of a side are we expecting from Everton? Are we expecting full strength or maybe something a little less because of the hectic schedule that follows with Leicester on the 27th, Newcastle on the 30th, Leeds on the 2nd of February, Man United on, on the 6th, and then presumably, um, you know, if we were to win this match, uh, Tottenham yeah. uh, sometime in that, that February, you know, within the next yeah. few days. Uh, what are you expecting? Um, I Probably similar to the Rotherham game, to be honest, although I would hope maybe on Chelsea's learn bit of a lesson for some of the players who who let him down then and I don't think maybe should be trusted as much with this game um, I think I think we were talking about away advantage you know so the, the home advantage being eroded but just naturally I think it's a big boost that Evan will be at home not just for this this round but also for the next round against Tottenham or Wickham if they, if they get they beat Wednesday um, so don't leave. I wouldn't leave anything to chance other than the fact that it might make sense to ease some players in just to um, just to not overdo it too soon with those four, what was it four games in ten days two, and two of them against Leicester and Man United. So um, it's a big task, 
for Everton uh, these next few weeks. I would I would maybe do what he did in the Rotherham game in terms of um, bringing back players who've been out. Um, so maybe Alan. If I, if Alan is back, I would start him against against Sheffield Wednesday just to get him back up and running before you know we go back into the Premier League schedule. Um, I think that could help him. Certainly seemed to help Dean because on Tuesday he was flying, wasn't he? Um, even though he was pretty poor against Rotherham. Um, so obviously, and I would I would expect and I'm pretty certain Abdullah the Corey will start this because he's suspended for the last two games because he got his fifth yellow against Wolves. So um I don't I, I'm not sure whether Cenk Tosin will start again unless Calvert Lewin is inj- is still injured. Um I'd like to see a Wobi play again, give him a chance to keep this good reform he's been on. Um, and you know maybe this is a game where you don't play the, the, the back four of you know entirely of central defenders. Maybe this is one way you can have a go at Sheffield Wednesday because Sheffield Wednesday obviously have they're in a, they're a bit of a mess in terms of they have this points deduction. They've already sacked two managers this season. I don't think they've appointed a uh, a new one yet. Although weirdly their form has really picked up since they sacked Harry Pulis. I think they won. Uh, they're unbeaten or they've lost one of the last six or something um, so yeah I th- I think this is not going to be a, a, a gimme because we've seen from, like, from Rotherham that um, these games can be kind of more treacherous than they appear for Everton but um, I would I would maybe make a couple of changes maybe, maybe Anthony Gordon gets another go Um Maybe Robin Olsen gets another go and go and goal, but in the main, I'll be going pretty strong still, just to not leave too much to chance. If we if we had a, if we had an emptier schedule, like if we had no midweek games, I would I would go full strong. It's not that I'm downplaying the FA Cup or downplaying Sheffield Wednesday. I just you can't expect the same team to play each of these five games, so you need to obviously rotate, and this one looks the most sensible to rotate. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I think I, I would agree with that. Ian, how about you? Yeah, no, I think if you look at the injuries that the team sustained, um, you know, kind of easing guys back into the to the swing of things, um, if it's, you know, through the League Cup or whatever way you do it, like Matthew said, Dean started um, the other game, as did Hamas. Both were subbed out. Coleman got a full run of, of the game at right back. Um, Mina was rested. Godfrey came in and played at center back. Um, you know, Owobi and Gordon both started up top. I, I would like to see Gordon maybe get a little bit more time. Um, I, you know, I think his assist to Tosin on, on the turn and then to, to lay the ball into the path of Tosin was great. And I think, I think Ancelotti kind of gave up on him a little bit too early. He was, he was a little bit inconsistent during that game. I'd like to see him get a good stretch. Um, you know, we talked about Andre Gomez coming off the bench and what his role will be going forward. He looked okay against Rotherham, um, you know, and kind of, how can we get players who've, who've been out back in the team for this, you know, as we've mentioned, the, the string of games against Leicester, who we've beaten this season, but are, are a solid team. Newcastle, who, of course, beat Everton. Leeds also beat Everton. And then Man U in, in first place. Um, and assuming they beat Sheffield Wednesday, that cup draw against um, either Tottenham or Wickham. <laughs> and so for me, that, that's kind of along the lines of what I'm hoping to see. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, 
Yeah. I, I think that we should expect to see some changes. Like you said, I think would be good if there are players back to at least get them in for 30 minutes to a half or something like that. If, um, if we can say for Allen or, or, or even DCL, if he, if he's able to be back by then, although I, I don't know what his situation is and if that's even possibility. Um, Obviously, Sheffield Wednesday, kind of in the similar situation that Aston Villa was in if they would have had to play us where they haven't, you know, they won't have played a couple games and, and yeah. presumably not practiced for a while. So um, I, I think you probably should expect to see, you know, Anthony Gordon, I think, would, would be a good fit um, uh, in that game. You know, maybe we see in Kunku. I, I don't know. We haven't seen him in other, any of the other cup ones. So I can't see him playing in this. but with the schedule, you never know. Um, and then, you know, uh, probably Gomesh in the middle with Ducore. And if Allen's back, maybe Allen or, or Tom Davies or whatnot. So I think we probably. Maybe Gabamin. Yeah, I would no. love to see Gabamin. That would be great would be if he excellent. could come back. I'd do anything for him to play in a game. That would be awesome. Um, Talk about bringing a guy back from injury, <laughs> letting him yeah. get, a, get his feet wet a little bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That would be huge. I mean, I don't know. It feels like we had that one injury update on Gabamin, and then since then we haven't heard one thing about where he is or what he's doing. So hopefully he's okay. I know Ancelotti said he was expecting him to be back by, what, the end of January? Originally in December or whatnot was the last time we heard about what his whereabouts were. Um, so hopefully that's the case. I mean, if he can get in this game, I think that would be really big. Um, so we'll see. But I don't think we should expect a, a the strongest Everton side just due to what due to what we have coming up after that. Um, let's do it real quick. Predictions, Ian. We'll start with you. Yeah, you know, on paper, this is a game that they should comfortably win. Then again, that that was the case with the Rotherham game, and they they won two one in a game that was pushed to the limit. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say defensively they'll be better. I'm gonna say two two nil win for Everton. I was gonna say I was gonna say <laughs> two nil as well. I think. Um, hopefully we've learned some harsh lessons from the Rotherham game. Hopefully um, Sheffield Wednesday are, I, I don't want to, it sounds unfair to say they're not prepared, but again, it's hard, it's hard not to look at this game and think Evan have a, a, an advantage just from a fitness point of view and a freshness point of view. If they've had 12 days off, but, but 12 days without a game, but have stayed in training as opposed to Wednesday who've had what two weeks off and, and not even trained and been in isolation. So um and we're at home, which like I said, I still think carries some advantage even with no crowds. I think we'd all be disappointed if Everton didn't go through it, wouldn't we? So Yeah. Yeah, I mean I'm gonna go with three one. I, I just I don't see any way that I mean like you said, they had to have learned from that that Rotherham match, a very similar match in this situation uh, with the team at the bottom of the championship. Um, I think that there's no excuse for not coming out on top uh, in this one, no matter really who you play. I think no matter who goes out there, they, they should expect to win. Um, but you just got to show up. You got to show up and you can't, you know, look forward to Leicester on or, or any of the games in the future. Just focus on, on Sheffield Wednesday, get that game. Um, you know, taken care of and then move on to the, the, the busy schedule after that. All right. Um, I think that's it for us. Um, nothing else uh, from an Everton perspective. Ian, thank you so much for joining us this week. We really appreciate it. 
Um, yeah, thank you guys for having me on. It's, it's always a blast to be on, talk soccer with you guys. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely, Matthew. Thank you, as always, um, for, you. for joining. Yeah. Um, and to you guys out there, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing, following us, and make sure you just continue to do that, continue to get those downloads, um, you know, share it with friends, family, whatever, um, you know, make sure you get that out there and, and continue to do that um, because we love the support and we appreciate it. Uh, that's it for us. We'll talk to you guys next week.